Now I have a little debate quite often between those spicy French fries and, of course, those of you that know me, you know, my biggest weakness when it comes to food is cheese and crackers. Cheese and crackers. Now, I know for there's someone uh, sitting out here today, and you might be saying to yourself, come on, Michael, you know, we all struggle with food-type things. What's the big deal? It's not about the food. It's about the fact that I'm willing, and I find myself willing, to sacrifice the needs of others as long as I get what I want to eat. Is there something wrong with that? Yeah, there is. That's what's going on here. And if it wasn't triple chocolate cake or cheese and crackers or fries, it might be sausage. I love sausage, but don't get between me and sausage. What's going on there? What's going on in my heart? Because it happens in my heart way before it hits my stomach. Fred is going to share with us Luke's version of the temptation of Christ. We've heard this before. Today we're going to pull it apart a little bit, and then we're going to talk about our own temptation and some things that we can do as we get closer to Jesus. Fred. From the ninth chapter of Luke, verses 28 to 36, the temptation of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be truly acceptable to you. Our rock, our strength, our comfort, and our redeemer. Amen. I think it was about two years ago or so. I believe it was during the season of Lent. That season that we just take a minute or so and think about what's separating us from God and work on things where we can close the gap between ourselves and the Lord. That's the season that gets us ready for Easter. Whether we call it Lent or not, 
It's a time, this is something I need to push aside and I need to fill that up with things that bring me close to Christ. We talk about it kind of more specifically during Lent, but really, isn't that a good thing? Really good thing for us to do all the time, for that matter, as well. We talked about this scripture, that being said, we talked about the temptation of Christ two years ago. And at that time, and of course the, the, the persons in the congregation were, some, some of you were here, and there were others who were not here, who actually are not here today. But we had several conversations in Bible study that year about the fact that when we, when we tried to talk about temptation, um, we, we all agreed, well, it's kind of like having Satan on your, on your left or your right, whatever, whispering in your ear, kind of influencing us to do things, and then having an angel on the other ear saying, no, you don't want to do that. I need you to do better things. I need you to be a better person. I need you to accept the forgiveness and love of Christ. And we, we kind of talked about that, that that sort of felt like that. An angel on one side and the devil on the other shoulder, and that temptation was sort of like that. Well, um, there's a lot of powerful artwork out there. If you were to go home uh, uh, and type in in your computer the temptation of Christ, lots of powerful uh, artwork, and a lot of it is uh, very graphic, very graphic in nature as well. This is just one of my favorites. Jesus is right there dressed like he would, dressed in kind of power and majesty with his hand up, and uh, the devil, Satan, the, the tempter, as some Bibles refer to him as, he's kind of dark, arms are down, kind of trying to tempt Jesus to not be who he is, actually. Try to take him off course. Try to convince Jesus that he doesn't need to be following God's will. There's a lot of commentaries on this. I'm going to share a couple of scholarly notes with you in a moment, but William Barclay is one of my favorite commentators. He wrote back in 53, 56. There's been a couple of revisions, but Barclay is one of these people that says things like, you know, um, you and I don't get tempted to turn a stone into bread. You and I don't get tempted to, 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 uh, um, to immediately have an entire kingdom in our possession. You and I don't get tempted to. We don't, we're not taken a, a, up on the highest pinnacle in Jerusalem and then told that, that we're going to be caught by the angels because he says it's ridiculous because you and I don't have the ability to do any of those things. This is for all the folks who felt that maybe Jesus was never tempted. But Jesus could have done any one of those things with a wave of his hand. He could have accomplished any one of those things with just a thought. Kind of a neat comment from a guy named William Barclay about the temptation of Christ. I want to share with you what some commentators, and by the way, if you've ever been in a Bible study with me, I always remind you that a commentator is just a common tater. Okay? These guys are smart. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're smart, and they've done a lot of research. But these are some opinions about what some scholars believe. 
Such an event obviously has no witnesses. Tim, Tim, you brought that up. There's no witnesses to this. Judgments concerning the intention of this narrative, this story, have led the majority of scholars to doubt the place of such an event in the life of Jesus. This is from the Word Biblical Commentary out of Dallas. Uh, I need to tell you that's quite an expensive um, commentary. I bought it years and years and years ago when I could afford it. And it's one of those commentaries where it's just a really good source to go to, but that doesn't mean I have to believe what it says. They do an excellent, a very thorough job of background, historical, archaeological things, and they tend to lean a little bit toward that area where, well, I don't know if that really happened or not. They, they tend to lean that way, but it's a good thing to know. Well, not everybody agrees with that. Here's William Barclay again. Listen to this. This is the most sacred of stories, for it can... Ha- for it, can, for it can have come from no other source than his own lips. At some time, he must, must have himself told his disciples about this most intimate experience of his soul. That's William Barclay. They may not have been there, but it was so powerful and meaningful in his life that he told his disciples of this. Why? Think about it. They were with him three years, according to the Gospel of John. They knew what it was like to be tempted to do the wrong thing. They probably asked him, tell us about this. How do you do it? Yeah, you got any instruction? I mean, they wanted to know how to pray. They probably wanted to know how to handle temptation in their lives. And he told them. And then it made its way to the Word, God's Word, the Bible as well. Jesus was tempted so that he could personally experience what we go through and so be prepared to assist us by showing us how we can overcome the evil one by means of the Spirit of God. This is Warren Worsby. Warren Worsby is one of those commentators that uh, he leans uh, uh, quite heavily toward, well, that that's what it says. The Bible says that, then that's what happened. That's Mr. Worsby. Good scholar. They come from different approaches. They have different beliefs about things. It's good to read them all. It doesn't mean we have to agree with them all. I wanted to share this with you today. And this is just one microcosm of what any of us would do if we were teaching a lesson on the Bible as well. So what is the significance of the event? By the way, I recommend it as good reading, especially during the season of Lent. Take a look at Matthew's version in chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Compare them. They're very close, but they're not the same. You know, I've always wondered why it was that Luke ends the story that the devil left him until a more, as one Bible puts it, a more opportune time. What do you suppose he meant by that? Maybe at a time of weakness? I didn't even realize it until Paige mentioned it up here. You know, I I don't know that I've got that up here. Do I have that? Do I have it? Yeah, I do have that up here. Yeah. I didn't even realize it. Paige said, well, well, he can obviously see the string. Out of the mouth of our children. I missed that. You know why? You'll find out in a minute. I was more focused on the dollar bill. I was. 
I was more focused on the dollar bill. I never realized the string was there. But isn't temptation like that? Come on. You know? String's there, but you know what? I wanted that triple chocolate cake so bad, I didn't care about the string. Therefore, I never saw it. So what's going on here? What is the significance of this event? Evil does exist. Now, mind you, there are libraries or a... Uh, he's gone now, my New Testament... A professor from Duke University, uh, uh, Dwight Moody Smith. He used to say it like this. He was from he was from North Carolina. This is what he'd say: "A lot of ink's been spilled on that subject. A lot of ink's been spilled on that subject. It'll keep you busy, especially all you folks who were, who are retired and you don't have anything to do with your life. Start reading up on evil." We had a great conversation today, didn't we? What's the difference between evil or an evil power and then the sin, those things that, that we do that just distance us from God? That's the best way to think about sin. We, we get wrapped up in what we did or what we didn't do or what we didn't follow through on. The result of it is that it just distance, it will distance us from God. And this is important, it will distance us from other people too. You know if we're feeling distant from God and, and we're, there's more distance between us and other people that there's a good chance that that has got something to do with some sin in our life. Absolutely. Choices between good and evil are rarely, if ever, cut and dry. I'll tell you what, I was, I was born and raised in a different denomination and maybe it's just having a kid's mind. I, believe me, I wasn't as sharp as Paige. She's sharp. When I was a kid, I couldn't see that string. Never crossed my mind that there was a fishing pole on the other end of it and Satan was standing around the corner. To me, it was either right or it was wrong, period. Right or wrong. And I tended to learn to lean toward the wrong. Why? It was more fun. It was more fun. I didn't really ask any questions. I don't know why. It just happened. Didn't didn't begin to ask more questions uh, when I was a young adult and was really searching for more. I was searching to be closer to Jesus and then realized that it really wasn't as complicated or even as cut and dry as I thought it was. Being steeped, I want you to use your imagination now, being steeped like a tea bag in God's holy word, in our prayer life, in study, in service, however, however we live out our faith, being steeped like a tea bag in what brings us close to God is how we turn away from temptation. That's the only thing that works for me. Again, back when I grew up, I used to think it was, I, I, had, the, I, had, I had the order wrong. I figured I was going to be strong enough to turn away from temptation, and then if I was, uh, then if I was on the right path, then I'd get close to Jesus. I had my priorities a little mixed up. I had the order wrong on that. So what are my temptations? And I, what I'd like everyone in here is to ask yourself that question. What are your temptations? And how do I turn toward Jesus and away from the things that separate me from God and others? Well, the one thing that I want to offer, and again, I'm speaking from my own perspective and the very little that I know about some of you, 
I have found that the things that tempt me are just not clearly and outwardly bad and evil. They're not clearly and outwardly right in front of me. Oh, it's clearly that's wrong. That wouldn't even be a temptation, would it? It's obvious that that's wrong. I, I can't be tempted. I've learned for me that the things that tempt me are the things that look really, really, really good. Those of us who are in the Sunday school, we've read this, and I thought this was brilliant. It's out of God's blogs, Insights from His Sight by Lanny Donahoe. Listen to this. Often, evil is beautiful and charming. It is alluring and draws you to it with such subtlety that you sometimes feel safe as you move toward it. It draws you in one unsuspecting step at a time. You make compromises, small ones, without noticing it. Eventually, you are whittled down and you're captured, and suddenly it seems very dark. It's too late. You have no idea now how to escape. Maybe I should just say as an adult, my temptations look really good. They look safe. They're not going to hurt anybody. It's really not a big deal. One could say that what I'm really saying to myself is there really is no such thing as evil and there's really no such thing as making a bad choice here. And that's exactly what the tempter would like us to believe because that is when we are the most susceptible the scripture in Luke says as we continue to keep our EMTs and uh, keep them in our prayers as well as whatever event that they might be responding to as well Luke's scripture tells us that, he, that Jesus came from the Jordan anybody here been to the headwaters of the Jordan there are some of us who have been. And the beauty, I kept looking at that this morning and saying to myself, well, the Jordan's not the same everywhere. We know that. But when I think about the Jordan River and the beauty and the power and the life-giving uh, aspects of the Jordan River, I think of this place. We don't know which part of the Jordan that Jesus actually went to to pray and for quiet time. But we talked about this today. He was probably on a high moment probably feeling good, seeing the beauty that he and his Father and the Holy Spirit had created long, long ago, praying and seeing beauty and feeling wonderful. Maybe you might even say, maybe at a time in his life when he would have been very susceptible to temptation. I kind of think that's why Luke mentions that. That's why Luke mentions a more opportune time as well. Many of you know that Wendy and I are getting ready to retire, and uh, we've realized that retirement's a big job. It is. We've realized that there's a lot of decisions to be made that we didn't really know we had to make about health care, about pension, about Social Security, about Medicare Part A, Part B. Talk about confusing. We got, I got a booklet the other day. Yeah. Booklet's still sitting on the table. I've read it I don't know how many times and I'm more confused than before I started to read it. But we all have our 
temptations, and we all have those things that we might spend more time with than we spend with God. I forget who said that. Anything that draws us, anything that draws us away from God and that we're focusing on more than we're focusing on God is an idol. Wendy and I have even been talking about managing our own portfolio. I find that exciting, but I also find it time-consuming, really time-consuming. Started out exciting. Now I realize that it takes way too long. A friend of mine and I have been talking about this. I found myself realizing there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with a pension. There's nothing wrong with all of the benefits that, that we will get as seniors. There's not a thing wrong with any of that. But if I allow that to take over my life, then I've got a temptation I need to deal with. If I allow that to take up way too much time, I've got a temptation to deal with. Why do I know that that's a possibility for me? Because it looks so good. It looks so promising. It looks like a wonderful thing. I'm inviting every one of us today, tomorrow, take several days. Take the season of Lent. Ask God. If, if, if we're not sure what, what things are, are drawing us away from God, then let's ask Him. What is it that's going on in my life that's getting in the way? I really doubt that it's triple chocolate cake or that it's french fries. But it could be something. It could be something and just having knowledge of it and turning it over to God is really a, the first step. God, give us knowledge of what, what tempts us. Give us knowledge of what separates us. Lead us with your power and your grace and your forgiveness to overcome these things. Believe me, we know we can't overcome any of this without Him. Knowing those things that we need to say no to. But better yet, before any of that begins, spending a lot of quality time getting closer and closer and closer to Jesus, our Lord. Oh God, we come to you this day asking for your help. We all know it's, it's hard to listen to. It's hard to talk about. We don't really want to talk about evil and sin and all these things that we struggle with, but it's part of who we are. It's been a part of who we are for many, many years, for a long time. This is in our lives, O oh Lord, so that you would know without any question where, where do we put our allegiance? Who do we honor? Who do we love? Is it you, Lord? Show us who you want us to be. Show us what changes we need to make in our lives and lead us in that direction. Help us, O oh God, to stay close to you because the closer we stay to you, O oh Lord, the less we will ever be pulled away from you. It's in the name of Christ that we always pray. Amen.